0: It's a blessing to be here. Well, tonight we're going to look into a little study here that the Lord gave me in the early days. Uh, let's see, I got saved in 65. That's not how old I am. That's when I got saved. And I'm 50, um, right now I'm 52 years old. In Christ. <laughs> in Christ. So, uh, anyway, it's, it's a real treat to read the Bible. We have this freedom. And we can read it, and we can enjoy it, and I don't let a day go by that I don't put some time into the Word of God. Every morning, get up, I, I'm, a, the guy that's a, I'm a guy who doesn't quit, okay? So when I start a project, I do. I'm goal-oriented, and I haven't reached my goal in this one here. So uh, I don't quit. I just keep going on. We're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. And even when there's setbacks, I just keep going. That's the, the kind of mentality. I'm the guy who will... Dig up a yard, plant a garden, put fence around it, keep the rabbits out, and everything else. Plant the food in it, and everything else, and never harvest it. My goal is to get the garden built. <laughs> that's, that's my goal. It's not so much to eat the stuff. So I'm not, that's just the way I am. So uh, this this subject I have, I've been working on since the very early time I I met the Lord Jesus Christ. I was an atheist, and I came to Christ. So this. Ask Him to bless our time conversation, Father. We pray for Your Holy Spirit to bless our conversation, Lord. Pour out Your Spirit upon us, Lord. And give us the gift of teaching and wisdom and revelation, Father. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Well, I, I grew up in a religion that was Orthodox, and um, I God was always mad at me, and God was going to get me sooner or later. And going to heaven was not something I look forward to. Uh, because when I died, I was going to go someplace and burn, and then if I was really good, I'd burn less. But I was always everybody's going to burn, and so uh, you know you get a feeling like the Lord's angry. And um, after I got into a teenage years, I looked at him and thought, well, what kind of you know what kind of a religion is this? What kind of a a God is this? So I just said, Our Father, which art in heaven, I quit. Goodbye. Don't call me. I won't call you. I'm not going to pray to you no more. And I gave you a prayer. Last prayer, I'm going to pray. And seven years went by, and I went in the military, did all kinds of military stuff. I was a bomb disposal technician, EOD. I uh, had a lot of fun doing what I was doing. Always exciting. And um, then I, I got out of the military, and I went back to New York and worked in business and stuff. And um, and then uh, Kennedy got killed, and so I went down to Kennedy's funeral, and. Uh, I stood in the street, sat on the curb. If you, look, if you see those videos, the, the street and people, there's all lining the street. I'm on this side, a little ways down, sitting on the curb. You can't make me out, but I'm there, right there. I know where I am. I can see me. I can, I can figure it out. But uh, I just thought I, I voted for him. The tortures passed. You know, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And um, I just liked them. And I thought, I didn't know anything about politics. Of course, probably now, I don't know. But um, I, I just thought, this is a good guy. He's going to change things. We, we just got done with uh, Eisenhower and Nixon. And, uh, you know, I said, that's enough. So here we go. He gets killed. So I go back to work. And I said, I can't do this no more. I was a manager of a store. And I said, I can't do this. So I turned and I went out to California. And I partied out there for a month and then came back and got into the, the nightclub business and got into a partnership owning a bar and, um, did that for a while. And, um, then, uh, you know, it was fast moving stuff. And then I got, we got burned down by the mafia. Uh, actually, we really did. And, um, didn't pay our protection. So they, they really do that stuff. I didn't know they really did that. So, um, I went uh, out to California again and I was gotten to another business out there and I was living pretty nice, getting, making lots of money and everything and I, I wasn't down and out. I was just—I I had made it to a good place in life. I thought, I can do this and this is good life. And uh, I went to a hotel room. I was an atheist and I, I stayed in a lot of hotels traveling and I just the Bibles away and I took the Bible. My buddy was doing drugs in another hotel room and he came over and he asked me, to um, give him, uh, read the Bible to him, because he was on a mental high. So I, I said, oh, I No, don't, I don't read the Bible, just read it. It's okay. So I read the Bible, and um, I read, God is not slack concerning his promises to us, who are not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And I went, Wow, that's really nice. I said, God is not slack concerning his promises. As I went to church all my life, I never heard a promise. I only heard with threats. There's always a threat. You had to do this, you had to do that, didn't do this, boy, this is going to happen to you. I was just terrible. I thought, this, what kind of an operation is this? I'm going to spend eternity with this God. I don't even know if I can trust him, you know. And I didn't even know if I'd make it to eternity. So um, I said, I'm going to read this New Testament and prove that it's not real. And prove that there's no promises in it. All there are threats. So I was a speed reader, and I can read fast, but I don't anymore, but I slowed down reading. But I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I went through it and got into John. In a few days, you know, I had plenty of time in my hand. And um, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything was made by Him. Nothing was made that wasn't made by Him. In Him was life, and life was the light of man. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Oh, wow! And I read down to verse 14, and it said that, and 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 that word that was God was made flesh, and He dwelt and He dwelt among us. You know, that's the first time I ever heard that in my life. Been to church all those years up to about 18, never heard that. Nobody ever told me that He was the Word of God made flesh. And I went, wait a minute, let me read that again. Now, I had hung out in the village in Greenwich Village, and I thought, okay. This is like blank verse, man. It isn't like, it isn't like this heavy stuff with the bigot and all that stuff. This is blank verse. I'm going to read it again. I read it again and I read it again. And then the Holy Spirit came into the room. I was all alone. And, and I knew he was the word of God made flesh. I knew he was God. Went, wow, this is real. I can't believe it. I, I've always thought it was just somebody made it up to control people. Wow, this is real. And I went, this is uh, really great. I mean, they're real and there's a heaven. And I went, "Uh uh-oh, that means there's a hell. So now what do we do? (laughs) How do we not do the hell thing? How do we get around this? And I said, you know, you said you made everything. I read it right here. Remake me. That's all. Remake me. I hung out in New York. I know what it's like to get on the docks. I know what fishermen are like. And these guys were fishermen that you took off the boats, and I don't think they were really too cool. They probably were some mean guys, man, and um, fighting, feuding, and fussing. So I said, um, Lord, just remake me. I hadn't read about being born again yet. I said, if you, you can just remake me, and I'll be your slave the rest of my life. I will follow you. No robes, no beads, just I will follow you. And so he made a deal, and he saved me. And I, I was so excited. So I started studying the Bible. A year went by, so a year and a half, I met Chuck, and I was doing it on my own, I wasn't getting to, I mean, I read it through, I could understand it, remembered stuff, but I didn't get it, but I read it, and then Chuck started filling in the blanks, Chuck Smith, and I studied under him a couple of years, and then went into the street ministry, and spent um, the next 10 years with working on the streets with kids in trouble. Uh, <laughs> Dwight wasn't on the street in trouble, but he was. He was part. He came into the. He was already. He already knew the Lord, but he came into that ministry. A lot of guys did. There was a thousand people on staff. We added up the number of houses we had and the number of staff people, and it was got busy and big, and and uh, and and then it got kind of boring, and it, it, we stopped doing what we did and we started doing what we were, and that's just what. I said. The next thing we're going to do is put robes on here. <laughs> you better watch out. So I went on the road again, and they fired me. They said I was wasting their money preaching the gospel, basically. They put it in the letter. I was wasting ministry money, got evangelizing in streets and parks, casting demons out of people, that stuff. I was wasting money. So I just shut up and went on my way. And my wife and I went to Arizona, and that's where we have been since. Um, We've seen lots of churches start and everything. But my heart's desire has always been to know, who is this guy named Jesus? I knew him as a guy, a kid that sat on his mom's lap. I knew him as a baby that we did at Christmas. I knew him, and you know, I knew him that kind of floating above everything. But I never knew him. So in 73, I wanted to know him like I would know somebody as my friend. You know, know where he came from. I, I want his testimony. I'd like to be able to listen to him and say, oh, yeah, I remember you told me that and everything. So I started a work to try to put together a synoptic gospel teaching. Now, that has been done before and it's in books and stuff, so I got books and I read and everything. But my whole heart's desire was to know Jesus better, to know why he did things and what, what was his plan. And I know reading the Bible tells me that the, his, his father told him what to do, and he did everything he heard his father say, and he, he did everything he saw his father do, and all the works that he did was his father's. But he had to be functioning in that, and that's where we're supposed to live, too. So this is where I'm at. I'm in Mark chapter 1 right now, as you turn to it. And I'm going to give you a, a quick rundown on how <clears throat> I think and, and think um, I put this together on DVDs and put it into booklets and stuff and everything like that. But um, And I put a website out, Like it's called Jesus Life and Ministry, but it's clumsy. And we paid a lot of money to get it done, but it's clumsy. And it doesn't do what I wanted it to do. It's all there, but you have to just work through it. It's not easy to work through. So I started, um, oh, the Lord woke me up. Uh, this is true, he woke me up. At 4 o'clock in the morning, on a Sunday morning, I had to get up at 5.45, but I didn't want to get up at 4, and he woke me up, no, it was, was one thirty in the morning. I woke up like, bam, I, night's over, here I am, and I got up and I went, what? I looked at the clock, what? You know. So I, I went back to bed and I prayed, and I said, why, why am I so wide awake? And I didn't drink coffee before I went to bed, why am I awake? And... um the uh, the Lord said to my heart, and uh, "You hear the Lord in your heart," and He said, uh, the, uh, "The the life of Jesus is broken." Uh, that's the website. And what? So I, I went into the room and I typed into it, you know, one thirty now in the morning. And I type in "life and ministry of Jesus" in dot com, and sure enough, it was busted. The, the films didn't work. Nothing worked. Nothing fit together. And He says. Okay, I said, I can't fix that. So I went to a meeting, I did church that day, I went to a meeting the next day with, on Monday morning I have a meeting with guys who have brains about things, and I picked their brains, you know, about how to do computer stuff. And so so they came in, I told them what the problem was, and they said, well, but that's flash videos and flash players are hard and this and that. I tell them, it means nothing to me. Uh, So I go, okay, so how do I fix it? They said, well, it's going to be really hard to fix. And there's one guy said, he said, well, I know there's a program out there called Think Epic, T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C, Think Ipic. Like terrific, but Think Epic." And he said, you could, if you can learn that program, it's easier than WordPress. You know how, it, I know some HTML and WordPress stuff. So I said, okay. So I went down, I got a movie, and I watched a movie on how to do Think Epic, And I started. I had two, so I have to take 273 Flash videos about thirty to forty minutes each and I gotta convert them to MP four videos. I have to re-render them, go through them and make sure the lip syncs is right and everything else. And some of you might know what I'm talking about. I don't even know if I know what I'm talking about. But I got a hundred done as of yesterday. A hundred and done. And I'm building this website. And the website is called uh, Higgins dot for the time being. I got I got some really good uh, uh, URL names and everything. I, got, I went. I went on to GoDaddy and got some names and uh, studied the life of Jesus Christ. You know, studied the st- follow Jesus Christ and they were available. So I just bought a bunch of names. So now I got to figure. But right now the the site is called Think. Uh, it goes Higgins dot com and it'll bring you up to the course. And I have a course now that you could get into and experiment with and see if you like it. And it's a course that, um, you study the life of Jesus Christ in the order it happened. And it has questions and you give answers. And it's a fun thing to do. I got something about 11, 12 people, 13 people doing it. And it's just an experiment. And, um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be worth it. Everybody who's done it has heard the study, but they like it. But this is what the study is like. Okay. So if you turn to here to Mark chapter 1. Okay. Verse 14. In, be, in between, well, let's just do this one. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Um, that's the beginning of Mark 1. As it's written in the prophets, Behold, I send a messenger before thy face, prepare thy way. There's, a, there's nothing there. Did you read anything about um, Did you read about Mary having an annunciation there? <laughs> did you read that? Did you read anything about um, John the Baptist, the annunciation of John the Baptist? Did you read about the, the first 30 years the 30 years of his life. Did you read about the, the time he went to the, to the, to the, um, here? In that little verse, it just goes, it jumps right from the Son of God, back, right into John the Baptist. See? So, so 30 years are missing right there in between those two verses. So, but the, the thing that's on the web right now is just three classes and it covers the 30 years in detail. There's a lot of details that are really interesting. And then you get to know exactly what happened there. And so, the way they write, they wrote these Bible, the Bible is each guy gave a different testimony, and you can fit them all together and get the full testimony, and you can see why Jesus, Jesus' father sent him to do this. You'll see why he did this, and what co- what cause and effect was there in 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 his life, and what was he trying to do when he worked with his men. Now, wouldn't you like to be a disciple of Jesus? Sure. I'm, I'm a disciple in training still. I'm being trained by Jesus to be his disciple by the Holy Spirit in me. The life I live, I live by the, the, the by the power and faith of the Son of God. I'm living by his faith. He's in me. He's teaching me. He's guiding me. But you know what? I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. So I want to just work with him and, and be faithful to him and move through life that way. But I want to know him and recognize things that happened in his life, that he was here, is an example to me. See, in in Peter, first um, first Peter chapter two verse twenty-five says, "Jesus is our example." He's our example. He uses the word example. So here we go. Mark, it says we're going to jump down to verse fourteen. So he's been tempted in the wilderness. Okay, so all that covers area, but. It's still missing in between verses. You've got to go to Matthew. You've got to go to Luke. You've got to go to John. And fit all this together to get one flowing sentence, one flowing paragraph. Yeah? That it all It all fits together. You've read Revelation, right? you read the, 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 letter, the seven letters to the seven churches. Okay? And each of the letters say, to him that overcometh, right? And anybody shake the head? To him that overcometh. Okay. So why don't you just go and take each one of those to him that overcometh and make him a paragraph. Each one of them, well, you can make him by just adding a but, end or something. Um, this will happen, end, you know, and do that. Do all the promises of those seven. You wouldn't believe how nice that sentence comes out. That paragraph is a striking paragraph. Wow, that's everything that he's got for us, see? But but it's scattered about. You've got to put it together. But he's speaking to all of us in those seven Letters, the seven overcomers, and he that overcomes shall inherit everything. Well, I want all those things. So, that's, so, that's, this is what I do. This is how I think. Okay. So, now after Jesus, in verse 14, after Jesus was put in, excuse me, after John the Apostle, John the Baptist. Okay. Just get this right. John the Baptist was put in prison. Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Okay. Well, John was put in prison. You know, when John was put in prison? What was Jesus doing until John was put in prison? Do you know where, where John was baptizing? Do you know all the information about that in an order that's understandable, not just pieces here and there, but all flows together? That's what I have set out to do. Done this several times, done it in a school situation. Now I have it on the web. This is my project. And uh, if it's, um, I told the church it's my 39th anniversary of my 39th birthday, uh, maybe by my 52nd anniversary of my 39th birthday, I might get done. <laughs> Some of the people said, that will make you <laughs> older than John the Apostle. <laughs> okay, I don't really believe I'll get that low. Okay, now, so after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee. If you read John, and you read different places like that, you'll find out that the reason Jesus left the area of Judea was because John was put in prison. It says it that because John was put in prison, he moved up north. But on the way north, he you don't you don't have it here. But on the way north, he stopped in um, John four tells you he stopped in Samaria and did the woman at the well and talked all about her and did all that. See, and then he went up into he's on the way to Galilee, right? But he went back to Cana, and at Cana, of Galilee, when he after the woman on the well, he went right up to Cana, of Galilee. And, and um, he went back to the place where he did his first miracle. And the guy from Capernaum, the, the rich man from Capernaum, came and said, My son is ill. Can you come over to Capernaum? Well, I'm going to be there later. But right now, um, let me check my son, down. Okay. This is what time it is. All right. So then you go home, and your kid's all right. Uh, you, you, and the man believed his word, and he went home. And the servant met him. That happened right after the woman see? And then he goes over to, um, and right from there he went to Nazareth. And that's when he opened the scripture and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And they they try to throw him off the hill. See, so he did that and that. And now he leaves Nazareth and he goes to Capernaum and he's going to meet these guys that are fishing in the boat. You know, you see, remember the story, the fishing in the boat. And he says, throw net on the other side. And, then you, and they realize he's the Messiah. Do you know he met them before that? He met him when? Six months before that. Six months before that. He had met them and they had declared him to be the Messiah. Peter, Andrew. Nathaniel, probably James, John, they, they thought he was the Messiah, but they had forgotten. They were out fishing. They had gone fishing. So that's something that me—it it shows Jesus doesn't give up on you. He didn't say, oh, you guys, man, you gave me all, you're the Messiah, and then here I find you fishing, and you don't know who I'm. When he got to the boat, they said, um, he said, put, put the net on the other side, after he had preached to the crowd. And, and he said, put them the net on the other side. And Peter said to him, okay, teacher. Peter was the one that said he was Messiah six months before. Okay, teacher. So when he got the crop in, he pulled the fish in, he said, Lord. Different, huh? And he said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He realized how sinful he was, see? But he forgot how, that he was a sinner because he got back into his old way of life. He wasn't a bad man, but he had forgotten that the Messiah had come, and this is the one promise. So, you learn that by following his life in the details, okay? So, here, here he says, uh, he goes up there, and he's done this now, he's, now he's gone up, but it says, saying, Jesus is preaching, going into Galilee, but he's, don't forget, when he went into Galilee, he went first to that place, and then to that place, and then to that place, and that didn't bring that up here, but that's, it's fact. That is fact. That's the three things he did. Okay? And, and, and then they said, and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom in verse 15. Look at this. It says, the time is fulfilled. So how would I say that? It's time. It's time. It's time that I go and, and, and I, I get into Galilee now. Well, he was in Galilee before. He was up and got up uh, Bethsaida. Beth- Beth- he talked to Nathaniel. When I saw you sitting under the tree in and, and John, he's, he um he had been up there and visited Capernaum for a couple of days while he was waiting for the first Passover to happen. Right after Cana of Galilee, he went back down to, to Capernaum and just spent a couple of days there and waited for Passover. So you go down and throw the tables over and stuff like that. And it might have been, now get this one, that might have been, and this is, you know, you have to take this with a grain of salt, okay? But salt's good. But you take it as a grain of salt. It might have been the first Passover they celebrated in Herod's temple. I've been doing a research on that, and I think I'm right on that. I think that I got from Josephus and all that. I think that was the first Passover, that, and that's why it would be time. So they have this phony temple they, they, they built over the top of the other temple or tore down the other temple, and it's Herod's temple. Is a, it's a, a temple made by a Edomite, and, and, and uh, it's a Roman thing going on, and, and it's got a false priesthood in it. And he goes in, and, okay, guys, let's get the money changers out of here. Let's, you're a bunch of thieves, you're denim thieves, and there's supposed to be a house of prayer. Think about that. Think about, if, 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 I know when Josephus says, Josephus says, when Herod started the temple. And you know what? Jesus was, Jesus was dedicated in the temple, the old temple of, of Zerubbabel, because this thing didn't get done until right at this time. Remember they said in John 1, hey, we've been 46 years building it. Remember that? Okay, let's go 46 years back and see when the, when did Herod start the temple. How old was Jesus then? Hmm, 30. So he started it 16 years before Jesus was born. See, so the temple was in construction. And so they had to have... So, if, if Zechariah was inside the temple when and when Gabriel came, it wasn't inside the construction job. They must have left the other one there somehow that he could be in there doing it. You see what I mean? It's, it's all these little details that are intriguing to look at and to realize that they, they lived a real life just like we do, and and, and things happened around them and like what 's happening in our world. Just look at what's going on in the government and everything. It's just uh, it's just really. Something that the Bible talks about, talks about Damascus, talks about this. But it's all happening very slowly, incrementally. But it's saying that, yeah, the Bible's true. So here, he says, um, he says, it's time, it's time. The kingdom of God, he's already cleansed the temple. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus said. Now that, you could just close the book right now. It's enough right there. Repent ye and believe the gospel. But I'd like to, to look further into that. So go to Luke chapter 4. Okay? And we'll leave Mark now. Bible, by the Mark. I'm just going to go to chapter 4 of Luke. It says in verse 13, And when the devil had ended the temptation, same thing as Mark, that he was he left him for a season. He only left him for a season. He's going to be back. And Jesus returned in power, in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. But well, we know that when he came back, it wasn't, it didn't happen right after he came out of the wilderness. This is another thing you find out. When he came out of the wilderness, oh, he, he, he didn't, he didn't, um, go up there and do all this, see the woman at the well and all that. That was six months later. He did go up, come back down, cleanse the temple, see at Nicodemus and other things and, and his disciples baptized on the, on the River Jordan and John baptized up river. Then John was arrested and put in jail. So that's six months have gone by. Jesus goes up, meets the woman at the, at the well, goes up to Cana of Galilee again, over to Nazareth, over to Capernaum. We'll get to Capernaum in a minute, okay? This is what you can get a good idea how the man moves, how he thinks, how the father's directing him. Oh, so here, let me read you the next verse. And when the devil had departed, and Jesus returned in the power, of the Spirit into Galilee, the word power there is dunamis, same power that He gave to the apostles, same power you got in your life from being baptized in the Holy Spirit, same power. Jesus went in the power of the Holy Spirit in the Galilee. Oh, but over in Mark, you just said He went up in the Galilee preaching the gospel. But here you find out that you put the two together and you make a complete sentence. Jesus went preaching the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit up in the Galilee. See. So when he left the woman at the well, he was in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time now to declare the kingdom of God. He hasn't declared the kingdom of God really until then. Not down there. He said, oh, well, the king, he didn't give him anything really to chew on except being born again. But He didn't give him a whole bunch about the kingdom of God. Now it's time to talk about the kingdom of God. So you learn that. You say, oh, okay. So you can learn things happen in your life the same way. I really learned a lot this way. And uh, and you learn Jesus different. You look at him, you learn him deeper as a person going through the regular routine and waiting and doing things. And the, So he went in the power of the Spirit into the Galilee, and there went out fame of him throughout all the region round about. So now, now he's becoming famous. Let me tell you what happened when he got to Galilee. He says to the guys, hey, the people were following him. And so he got to the beach, and he needed to use the boats not to fish, but to get in to preach because he, the people were forcing him into the water. So he got, can I use your boat to preach, to teach? Yes, teacher, you can teach. So then after he got done teaching, he says to them, okay, drop your nets on the other side. They say, okay. And they, oh, you're the Lord. You're the Lord. We're sinners. He says, okay, just leave your nets. I'm going to make you fishes of men. Now, if Jesus said to you, I'm going to make you my dis- a personal disciple, he would start training you, see? And so now you start the training of the disciples right there. So what's the first thing he did with those guys? Well, he says, come on, let's go into the synagogue. This is the order of it. And I think this is very significant. I'm going to give you a quick six months like this, okay? Right up to, well, I can go right to the Sermon on the Mount, six, seven, seven, eight months. But um, let's just give you a real quick view of this. He goes out of the boat. He says, "Come on, guys, let's go." And he goes into the synagogue. I mean, you think you've ever been in that synagogue before? I think so. But he goes in, and and this guy says, "Hey, what are you doing in here? Thou son of God, be quiet, demon!" And everybody goes, "Wow!" He says, "Come out of that man!" And the demon left the man, and and they all go, "Wow! Even the spirits have th- he has authority over spirits. Wow! Even spirits obey him. See? What 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 is he doing?" To show that he has authority? No, he's training the guides. In fact, what does it say to you? These signs shall follow them that believe. Mark 16, right? What does it say? It's, what's the first thing he tells you? In my name you'll cast out devils. In my name you'll cast out devils. What, 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 when chapter 10 of the book of Mark, chapter 6, and, and, and Matthew, chapter 10, when Jesus sent the apostles out after a while, <laughs> They went not sent out right away. And he, he, they followed him. He trained them. And then he anointed them. And they went out. And when they went out to go two by two to the cities, first thing. What's the first thing he told them? Go out, I give you power over devils. So what was the first lesson he taught them? You got power over devils. How did he teach it? By going into the synagogue. And, you know, this demon-possessed guy was in the synagogue. And the guy falls down. The devil comes out of him. Jesus leaves what's the next thing he does? Well, the next thing he does and um and that's why you got to study it and look at it and really I, I've done a lot of research on this, a lot of books and to try to get it right and see who, who the most that is done this way so um the, the next thing he does he goes out and um, he he meets a um, he, he does the, he does the devil and and he taught about what did he teach about casting out devils so the next thing he does you know what he does. He heals the mother-in-law. Not such a big deal, <laughs> of Peter who had a fever. I mean, ah, this cast out devils has all this power, and he goes over and prays for her. Yeah? So he heals the woman with a fever. Very compassionate. Very getting down with the with the family, with the people. See, it's not just I can have power over devils. No, he's. I heard a guy on TV say one big famous guy knock people over, throwing the Holy Spirit around. I have the I have a power to um, I have the power to uh, heal AIDS. I said, What do you, what are you doing on TV? <laughs> Go to the AIDS hospitals. <laughs> Has he ever been to the AIDS hospitals? No. But Jesus been to the AIDS hospitals? Yes. If he, if he was boasting of his power, he would do that. So he he um, he goes out and he meets a leper. Right after this, see. He meets the leper, and the leper. Wait a minute! He's going to teach him another thing. He heals the leper. Not only he healed a fever, man. That's that's not too bad. Take an aspirin for that. But healing leprosy. And when the leper, when he touched the leper, by the law of Moses, he was unclean. He couldn't have been Messiah. But the leper was healed instantly. Bam! He was healed, and so now he shows that he has power over this great sickness that can't be cured. What's that? Well, leprosy is a blood disease, and that's what we were cured of, the sin that kills us, and the life of the flesh is in the blood, and he gave us eternal life, see? So you can look at that. And then, what's the next thing he does? Well, the next thing he does, he takes a little tour around Galilee, and he goes into a house, and he sits down, and some guys look in there and let him, He's been doing a lot of stuff. Not, not too much information about that tour, but I mean, these are the main things. And then they look in and they say, let's tear the roof off. Let's see. Now, that amazes me. These guys knew exactly where to tear the roof off. It was crowded. They couldn't get in. So they went up on the roof. They didn't tear the whole roof off. They tear the roof off and lowered this guy right down to the front of Jesus. Want to try that? I mean, okay, let's take 15 paces and you think... and. Five paces down. You think, that's not easy to do, to find the exact spot from upstairs where you can't look through a window. And um, they go right in and get it. compassion on they had. And Jesus says, what did he say? Get up and walk? No. He says, thy sins are forgiven thee. Arise and walk. But now the Pharisees are getting involved, and people like that are getting involved, and they're going, wait a minute, this itinerant creature is now doing what? Only God can forgive sins, see? He says, no, I, I, said, I could have said to him, get up and walk. I could have said that, no problem. He said, but I wanted you to know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins on earth. You know what the Son means of man? It means the descendant of Adam. What's the biggest problem in our lives is unforgiveness. Who's the master of unforgiveness? Satan. Jesus forgives all all, everything. We're told in Ephesians 4 that we should be tenderhearted, and even as God, for Jesus' sake, forgave us, forgive those who trespass against you. Have to give no place to the devil in Ephesians chapter 4. So we know that the forgiveness is a big thing. He taught them about forgiving. Forgiving. That we have the power to forgive. Satan. It says in chapter two of the book of Second Corinthians, it says that to whom you forgive, I forgive also, lest Satan have an advantage over us. You know, when you have, when you walk in unforgiveness, you walk in, um, in in Satan's power. He has an advantage over your life. Well, they didn't repent. They didn't do this. Well, neither did I. Jesus died when I was yet a sinner, and He died for me. He loves me. Do you know how much God loves you? I'll tell you how much he loves you. He created Adam and Eve. He created everything. Then he created Adam. Just Adam. And he, and he, then he said, oh, and he made a beautiful garden. And he put Adam in the garden. Pretty nice, eh? Beautiful garden. Then he created Eve so Adam wouldn't be alone. So here's this wonderful, loving creator that just told him, don't eat of that tree, you'll die if you do. Just don't do that. Everything else you can do. Oh, everything's under your feet. It's all your dominion, and you named all the animals. It's really great, Adam. You just go, go to it. And you get this beautiful wife. Everything's cozy, and the serpent comes in. The devil, who's created, what? What did the devil create? Zero. Zero. <laughs> he came to kill and destroy. John chapter ten. He came to kill and destroy. He's a destroyer. He's not a builder not a creator. So they go out and listen to the devil, and they, rather than loving their loving creator who made all this for them, they go to a devil and give their will over to him and love him more than they love their creator. They love the non creator more than they love the creator. Right then I would have ripped the book up and said, That's it. <laughs> Thought a new earth, new heaven, new earth. But not God. God put up with it, He covered their sh- sins. He told them, I'm sending the Messiah to save you from that stinking devil. He's going to save you from that devil. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'll work this whole thing out for you. And for God so loved his creation, he loved this world, the people in the world, that he sent his only begotten son. That Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you realize how much he loves you? And then Jesus, when he came and they beat him and did all the things to him, he, what did he say? The first thing he said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The first thing. Not the last thing. The first thing. You think the guy with the whip knew what he was doing? He was probably an expert. How about the guy that made the crown of thorns? He probably didn't have holes in his hands, just in Jesus' head. And he said, well, forgive her. Well, not him. <laughs> forgive them over there. They were just spectators. But he forgave you and forgave me. Imagine that. He said that he told Paul the apostle in, in chapter 26, verse 17, 18 of the book of Acts. He said, I'm sending you to the world, Paul. Not to the Jews, not to the Gentiles, but to everybody on the planet. He said, I'm sending you there to turn people from darkness to light. And from the oh, remember the light came in the world, light was the light of men, And light shined in the darkness. I'm going to turn them from darkness to light. I want you to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan, darkness, and the power of death. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Satan, Jesus entered death to destroy him that had the power of death. Satan has the power of darkness. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Death and darkness are synonymous. Life and light are synonymous. God is light. God is life. And in him is no death, darkness at all. First John 1.5. He came to give you eternal life. He says, go out and, 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 and turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to my Father God, that they might receive forgiveness for sins. You're forgiven. You're forgiven because he loves you. There's nothing you have to do to deserve being forgiven. Just thank him for forgiving you. And fall in love with him because he loves you. And you'll find out that he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Savior. And he's a wonderful man. The compassion he showed and the things he did. He didn't go through, oh, don't bother me. I did come here to die. He wasn't grumpy about it. Then after he did that, he had that, you know, with the roof coming down. Then he went and said, Matthew, follow me. So when you get to Matthew following Jesus and the party Matthew has, you know, that's the end of the first year. That's the end. of it. Then you jump from there into John chapter 5. And you go to John chapter 5, and that's the beginning of the second year. And what's the first thing he does in the beginning of the second year is go down to the Pool of Bethesda and he heals the man at the Pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath. And they go, wait a minute, what are you doing breaking the Sabbath? He's, they're all upset about the Sabbath. And he, <laughs> So then he goes in the temple and he, and he gives, in John chapter 5, he gives 13 proclamations of his Messiahship. I only do what I see my father do. That's chapter 15, verse 18 of the book of De- Deuteronomy. It, or, or, it's chapter 18, verse 15. Backwards, but um, that's that's it. He does that, and then he um, he. I only hear, I only say what I hear. My father say, Deuteronomy eighteen again. You just go through this, and you see eighteen declarations of his messiahship. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. Five thirty nine of John. That's the beginning of his second year. That's in the temple, by the way, in Jerusalem. He'd been there before. This is the second time he's there. And you know what? When he's there saying that, he's declaring himself Messiah. And he leaves there, and he goes up to the road, and the men are picking wheat. And they say, your men are eating wheat on the Sabbath, the next Sabbath, a week later. Oh, the Sabbath is made for man. You know, you guys don't get it, do you? And then he went up to, he went on up a little ways further into Capernaum again. See, right up to Capernaum again. He's up in Capernaum. And, uh, what, you know what he does in Capernaum? He, uh, goes into the synagogue. Uh, and there's a man there with a, with hand. And he says, uh, stretch forth thy hand. Can you can he heal on the Sabbath day? He says to them, if you have a if you have a burrow and it falls in a ditch, it's okay to get your burrow out of the ditch. You knuckleheads! No, he didn't say that. <laughs> and they go, he go, oh well, yeah, I guess the uh, burrow. He says, okay, then stand up. The hand It's made well. You healed. That's that's when. See when you study his life in the order, that's when the Pharisees, priesthood, and the guys, the scribes, they go over to Herod. Right then, Herod was their enemy. They go to Herod and they start plotting his death. When he, the beginning of the second year. They want to kill him now. They make a deal with Herod, we'll get him, and we'll kill him. That's when they made the deal. Jesus doesn't even bother about that. You know what he does? He goes down by the seaside. and next morning, he's down by the seaside, and Isaiah chapter 42 is fulfilled then. And he says, this is my servant. He wouldn't put out a flaming piece of flax, he wouldn't draw attention to himself, and Jesus went down there, and the multitudes, more multitudes that ever came, came up, and every one of them, were, every demon was cast out of everybody, and everybody was healed, and he taught them there, and then that night, that night he went to sleep, and he prayed, and he woke up and he prayed, and he prayed, it says, all night, and he got up in the morning and he said, okay, these are my twelve apostles, and he named the apostles right then And as he was going down the road, people started coming up from Tiberias and from Jerusalem. Big crowd. The whole crowd that was the biggest crowd ever. Uh, They came came from the sea that were healed the day before. And he goes up and sits on the mountain. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. (laughs) He gives the sermon on the mount. But you know what? When he met the people from Tiberias, there's another thing that's just in there. And he met the people coming up before the Sermon on the Mount. The morning of the Sermon on the Mount. He just named the 12. You know what he does? He heals every one of them. And he casts out demons out of anybody who has a demon. So now look at the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody who's at the Sermon on the Mount has been physically and spiritually touched by Jesus within the last 12 hours. How about that? Or 24 hours. How about that? And then he gives the Sermon on the Mount. And then... He gets off the Sermon on the Mount, and he comes down. I'm going to end it right now. And you read Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, and it says, And the leper came, and he healed the leper. Matthew had it in the wrong spot. The leper was healed, remember? After he came out of the synagogue, healed the mother-in-law, healed the leper. So you read that, you just think, oh, that's what happened next. No, what happened next... And just think of this. He just gave the Declaration of Independence. He just gave the Magna Carta. He just gave the greatest constitutional statement ever, that man is saved by grace and not by works. And, and, oh, what, the Beatitudes and everything. And just great thing he did. And then he goes and he meets the guy, and these Jewish people come to him. And it wasn't the centurion. It was the Jewish servants of the centurion. And they say to him, hey, um, our, our master wants you to come down and uh, heal his servant. He's really sick. A Jewish servant that he has. And would you heal his servant? Jesus said, "Sure, I'll go down there." And and the, and then the guy says. Uh, the guy sees Jesus coming. He sends another guy out. Hey, tell him, tell him not to come. He says, "I'm not worthy that he should enter my under my roof. He can just speak the word, and my servant will be healed." And he said, and "He says, 'Tell him that I said.'" Now, I don't know if he really got, got to Jesus, or the servant told him that on this particular thing, it's not clear, but he says, "I have authority over a hundred men, and they do what I say, and uh, you have authority over all these other things in the spiritual world, and they do what you say." And Jesus said, "I've not seen faith like this in, in all of Israel, and this guy's a Gentile. a Gentile. You get it? A Gentile." So what does Jesus do next? Well, after the healing and everything, he turns and he goes to the which is quite a walk down that. In the study guide I give you online, the maps, every one of these studies have a map, a video of it, a, a, me speaking about it, then the map, and the scriptures are there, and, and there's questions for afterwards, you know. So you don't have to pass the test, but if you want to get a, a certificate, you, you do the questions. That's not quite finished yet, the whole thing. But um, I got a lot to do. <laughs> 273 of these presentations. I got seven done. So I got a few more to do. I actually have a hundred videos, so I got a hundred presentations done. I just got to put the maps and match everything up. That'll be easy. Yeah, that'll, that'll be easy. Doing the videos are hard. But anyway, he goes to Nain, and now this is a kicker. These people in Nain were not at the Sermon on the Mount. I can prove it to you. I'll show it to you in the scriptures. They weren't at the Sermon on the Mount. They didn't know about anything. And he goes there, and here comes a widow with a child that, she's a widow, she doesn't have a husband, and she has a child that died, a young boy that died, and the family name is dead. See? Now the family, no more family name. And they walk right by Jesus. Gee, the Gentiles over there seeking him. You know, all the other people that come, this people, they don't even seek the Lord. So I use that as a type, a figure of Israel when Jesus goes back now to Israel. After dealing with the Gentiles, he goes back to Israel, and they don't get it. And he has to seek them out. He goes to the woman, and he goes and heals the child. She didn't ask him, would you heal my child? He went over and healed the child. Check it out, showing that he was going to go back. And show compassion, even if Israel weren't even paying attention to him. And when the Gentiles are paying he just proclaimed, there's nobody like this. I've not seen any faith in Israel. And he goes to the person with the least faith, and the child is healed. And then John the Baptist writes him from jail, sends people down. And that's the story, and it goes on and on. We can go through the whole thing, but we'll be here for 276 days. (laughs) So anyway, that's what I do for a living. I preach the gospel. And you can do the same thing. You know, if, you got, if you got this in your heart and in your head, God puts it there. And there's nobody you can't talk to. There's nobody. You know, I, I know for a fact, because of faith, I can't lose a debate. I've debated the, the worst of people. I've never lost a debate yet. I debated a high school debating team, and the team lost. Because I'm so smart? No, no, that's not the reason. It's because of Jesus. Because the, because the information I have, if I stick with this information, they always lose. They can't win. They cannot win. And you want to go into metaphysics? The answer to metaphysics is metaphysics is really easy. The Trinity answers all the metaphysical questions of life. I'm going to go into moral dilemma. Well, you know, the the Greeks had the big moral dilemma: if there's a, a if there's an apple here, and a, and there's a hundred different kinds of apples, they're all particular kinds of apples. Is there a perfect apple that all these apples came from, so I can know if I'm really tasting the best apple? This Greek thought. I mean, I got news for him: there's millions and there's millions, hundreds of millions of people on the earth. And everybody's different. They're all particular, see? And what's the perfect one? that there's one that is perfect, maybe we can vote for him. Yes, yeah, Jesus. He's the measure of the man. He's the perfect man. And then you can preach Christ to them. That's the answer to the problem of moral dilemmas and, and unity and diversity and all that. The, we have the answers. We have the answers in the power of the Holy Spirit. But we've got to learn the word. And we got not just go to church, but get, get become a disciple and learn. So I challenge you: if you want to try this, you can. You know, it's, it co- it's no cost for the first two lessons. And if you want to then do that, it's, uh, seven, it's five more lessons. It course, you have a lot to do the next five lessons. Just to pay for the stuff we're doing, it's five bucks. Five bucks for five lessons. So then, if you don't want to pay that, then just do the lessons And you know, but, but if you want to give a donation of $5 for five lessons, we're going to ask for a dollar a lesson. Then we can pay for the, the, the thing we're paying for. You have to pay $40 a month for this, and you have to pay that, and you have to, to, to get this all online and operating in servers and, and all that. Um, it's a, it's a lot. But we want to do it. And so we ask the students to go ahead and help. But you don't have to. We would do it anyway. But we ask you to really seek the Lord about it. I'll have some flyers out there tomorrow uh, about the site where you can go look at it and stuff. Look at it. Test, test yourself with the first just about John the Baptist. And then if you like it, then go on. But if you're learning anything, because you'll get details like this, you know, and they just, you'd be surprised what you can absorb when you really absorb what's going on. You can actually figure out the birthday of Jesus in this whole thing, too, really easy. But I don't tell you what it is. But I, I give you leading questions that will make you discover it in the Bible. It's there. It's as plain as day. He left us the information. It's as plain as day in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. <laughs> this the secrets right there of when Jesus was born. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for everything. If I have the opportunity to give this information out, Father. And I pray... That your Holy Spirit would just stimulate us, Lord, that we would be challenged, Father, to learn of Jesus. We know his death and resurrection gives us eternal life and forgiveness for sins. But Jesus said, come learn of me and you'll find rest unto your soul. We want that rest, Father. We want that perfect rest in our soul, Father. Peace, Lord. Knowledge of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three, as you remember that, it says that the steps of a good man, and man means man and woman, mankind, steps of mankind, good mankind, are ordered by the Lord. So God's going to order your steps. Did He order Jesus' steps? He said, "Everything I did, I st- step. I, he st- told me to go." So I challenge you to get into the Word and become. I, I know that you have got a great pastor here. You got a great church. Just, and he gave me this opportunity. He told me, he called me up last week on Friday, I think, and said, uh, what, are you working on something? You, oh, that thing you're working on. He said, I'd like you to come talk about it. I said, why do you say that? He said, because the Lord told him to tell me to get up here and do what I did tonight. So I thank the Lord for your pastor. God bless you all.